tearing the place up. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you this morning again, to see some familiar faces and see some new faces. Uh, it is exciting. I, uh, I'm, I'm encouraged, uh, even, even in the song service, how, how God is focusing us in on his grace that sustains us. Isn't it an amazing thing? that in the world we live in today, there is a solid rock upon which we could stand. And this morning, I would like to uh, kind of share some words of comfort, maybe uh, words that will uh, bring a sense of hope and peace in your life this morning. So if you'd like to, uh, pick up your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start at verses, verse 8 and read through verse 30. Uh, this may sound like a dumb question, but do you ever feel a little overwhelmed in life? Uh, it seems to be a common experience for me lately. Uh, we, we've just lived through a couple of tumultuous years with uh, pandemics and uh, now conspiracy theories running wild and racial protest and political polarization. And, and uh, now the big word is inflation. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're facing a war in the Ukraine, and they're worried that it's going to be World War III. And it would be so easy in this life to become overwhelmed. I think God has a message for us this morning because we, we don't have to be captive in fear. Uh, we, we don't have to be held tightly in that sense of hopelessness that so many in the world seem to exemplify in their lives. God, God really does promise us that, that he is with us in our circumstances and that in the middle of those circumstances, he will see us through. Is that a comforting thought? Amen? Amen. It sure is. Uh, you know, in the face of all that we're dealing with today, I believe God has a promise for us here in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, and before we really jump in, let's just do this. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, comfort our hearts, settle us this day, and give us that ability to simply open our hearts and lives to you. Father, we know that you're here in our midst. You've promised that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you'll be there also. And we welcome you into these moments and pray, Father, that, that as the God of heaven and earth, you would control this time and that, Father, we would hear words of comfort and peace. Draw us to yourself today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you relate to God? How does God relate to you? Uh, when you have one of those days where you're running on spiritual fumes, do you ever have those days? Where, where it seems like everything is going wrong and uh, there's a real question as to whether you're going to make it one more step. How does God relate to his people? Uh, does he relate to us and respond to us uh, with judgment or with compassion? When, when you're at that place where you feel like you're running up the down escalator, you, you've been there, you're running as hard as you can go uh, and trying to make progress, but it just seems like everything is unraveling. How does Jesus respond to you in those moments? Is he aloof? Is he separate? Is he uncaring, even maybe judgmental and distant? Or, or does he come to us in those moments as a loving Savior, willing to run the escalator with us? On that day, 
when you have that thought, how could I mess up again this bad? <laughs> how, how does God respond to us? Do we feel that he's far away and distant and uncaring and uninvolved in our lives, really kind of shaking his finger of judgment uh, toward us because of what we've fallen into again? Or does he come to us in a spirit of love? We know that God loves us. We quote John 3.16 often. And, and yet there are times, even though we know that we know that we know that we know that he loves us, when we have that suspicion, we have that feeling that we've desperately disappointed him. And that somehow, when, when we feel like our lives are shipwrecked, that, that uh, we, we face him with fear and trembling, almost as if we're dreading having to stand before him, instead of understanding the freedom that we have in Christ and, and his willingness to meet us even in those broken moments and provide forgiveness and comfort in peace, in renewal. Uh, I think you get what we're, we're pointing at this morning. How, how do you respond to God and how does he relate to you? Now we can pick up God's word and, and we can read through those four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and we see a lot there uh, as, as uh, the word of God explains to us who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how he is the promised Messiah the one who is with us, God with us in our midst. And we can read there about Calvary and all that he's accomplished for us on the cross and, and how even in our brokenness, he meets us and, and heals and renews and restores us. How he loved us enough to come to where we are in our brokenness in this sinful world that we uh, live in and give his life that you and I might know real life. I want us this morning to really focus in on, on this one passage in Matthew 11, because with all of the brokenness that we experience, with all the fear that we sometimes walk in, with all the sense of dread, there is a promise for you and I in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says to us this morning, come unto me, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, I and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an awesome passage, amen? You read that and there, something has to kind of get you uh, tickled inside and excited when you think of, of the promise that Jesus is giving his children. Come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, who labor and, and are carrying the load and, and can't seem to, 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 to carry it successfully. Jesus says, come unto me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm gentle and lowly of heart. He doesn't say, notice here, he doesn't say, come unto me for I am austere and uh, demanding in heart. And, and uh, we, we relate coldly to him because of that, that coldness of heart. No, that's not what he's saying. He doesn't say, come unto me uh, for I am exacting and judgmental in heart and, and you know what you've done and you know that punishment is, that's not what he's saying. 
And he doesn't say, come unto me, for I am a hard taskmaster, <laughs> uncaring about your situation, your human condition. That's not what he's saying. He doesn't even say, come unto me, for I'm exalted and dignified, the God of heaven and earth, too important to stoop down and, and, and uh, come to your level and meet you where you are. That's not what he's saying. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are <laughs> weak and heavy laden, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly. Is that how you think of God? When, when someone says, God, the God of heaven and earth, do you think gentle and lowly? I don't think most of us do, do we? Uh, we think of a mighty God sitting in the glory of heaven. And certainly God is glorious and uh, he is marvelous and worthy of our worship and praise. But Jesus is, is telling us that as we are his children, there's a new dynamic involved. Yes, he's the God of heaven and earth, but he's also a God who is loving, who's caring and, and wants to meet us in the midst of our struggles, wants to lay upon our backs his yoke that we might be lifted above the burdens that we bear. You know, a kitten is gentle, isn't it? Well, until they get the claws out and try and climb your leg, yeah. <laughs> but generally, kittens are gentle. But a lion or a tiger, they're far from gentle. In fact, they're very dangerous. A puppy, you know, cute little puppy that kind of slobbers on you and just licks your face, they're, they're gentle. But a wolf is wild and it's dangerous. Jesus says, when you come to me, you're coming to someone who is gentle and lowly of heart. He's meek. Now, I don't know that we always think of God that way. We do think of him as an awesome God. We're going to read a couple of scriptures in a moment that really testifies to that. But, but he is also gentle and lowly. I love that passage, that not passage, that uh, quote from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe from C.S. Lewis. Uh, the character Aslan in the story, of course, is a lion and uh, representing God. And Mr. Beaver in the, in the story is talking to Susan about Aslan and says to her, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, says Mr. Beaver, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. He is the king, I tell you. You see, God is an awesome, magnificent, glorious, powerful God, but he is also gentle and lowly as he relates to you and I. Uh, if you look in, in Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, John, there in the Revelation, shares with us a description, a fearsome description of Jesus, the Son of God. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. 
In his right hand he held the seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I think if we'd have been there when John had that revelation, that vision, we'd have probably fallen as if we were dead as well, wouldn't we? Encountering the Lord God Almighty, an awesome, fearful, terrifying, uh, regal, awe-inspiring, majestic God, the God of heaven and earth. And yet Jesus is saying to you and I, come unto me, every one of you who are carrying that heavy load, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Jesus is not only gentle, though, he he is accessible. And I think that's what the lowly side of that really is saying. Here we find the creator of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, and yet born as a humble baby in a manger, in a podunk community in the middle of forgotten Palestine. The promised Messiah, the long-promised and awaited one, walking through the crowds, Loving on people who were broken and diseased. Hugging the children, reaching out to the leper, raising the dead, the God of heaven and earth, and yet encountering people right where they were in a sense of gentleness and lowliness, accessibility. Uh, You know, you notice in this passage who can come to Jesus. Uh, He says... All you who are weary and heavy laden, come. That's who's able. Those whose lives are all put together, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, Only those who have conquered sin and are now walking in that sinless existence. I don't know about you, but I've not met too many of those folks yet. So uh, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying if you can get your act together and have a perfect credit score and perfect children, those are two impossibilities, aren't they? (laughs) Then you can come to me. No, that's not what he's saying. Those who are weak and heavy laden, those who carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, the the weight of uh, of the brokenness of this sin-sick world on their shoulders, those are the ones that can come. Not because you've overcome temptation, not not because you've conquered our propensity for sin, not because you have spiritually arrived, not because you're spiritually strong, not because you've gotten your act together. But Jesus said, those who are weak and heavy laden may come. Our brokenness is what gives us access to him. Not our worthiness. There's no payment required. Jesus says, simply come to me. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all solved. You don't have to have all of the doctrines uh, firmly memorized in your mind. You You don't need all of that. All you need to do is come. No payment required. Uh, all you need to do is come to me because you couldn't earn it. You're not entitled to it. You, you have no right to that. You're not worthy of that. But in his amazing love for you and for me, he says, come. And he says, come, take my yoke upon you. Take, take, take that burden that I offer you upon you. Because it's a, it's a light burden. 
Really, Jesus astounds us and tantalizes us with the promise of his yoke and his burden. He says it's easy, it's light. My first thought at that point is, man, I must be doing something wrong because living the Christian life is not easy. Is that worthy of an amen? That is. It's not easy. In fact, I would be willing to say that it's impossible for you and for me to live the Christian life if it were not for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That's where the power to overcome is found. It's an inescapable truth. A Christian life is hard. It's, it, it's not an easy walk that we walk. And yet it's a walk that Jesus said, I will lift you up. I will give you the strength you need to face the, the, the difficulties of this world. I never said you would overcome on your power. But I, Jesus did say he, we would overcome as we walk in his power. And really that's the point. The impossibility of living for Jesus is real, and, and there's no way that you and I can do it. Paul understood that, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and following, he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should, be, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, then therefore I, bo I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, you don't have to have it all figured out. You, you don't have to have uh, this monumental Christian strength. All you have to do is come to him because of your need. The need. It would be nice if I had all the answers, but I don't. But thank goodness he does. Amen. It, it would be nice if I had all of this Christian life figured out and, and uh, you and I could sit down and I'd get you all straightened out. I haven't got it figured out. In fact, the more I learn, the less I seem to know. <laughs> Do you find yourself in that plight? Uh, and yet he, he does know and we need him. It would be nice if, if I personally had the power to face this world in my strength and overcome, but I can't. But he never said I could. He said he would work his life out in us and through us if we would surrender to him. He is our strength. We need him. He is our indwelling power. It would be nice if I knew what tomorrow holds and could prepare for all of those unknowns uh, today, but I don't know. But praise God, he does know. In fact, we have a pretty clear picture of what is coming, and I think we're living in that even today. When we come to Jesus, we discover that his yoke is a non-yoke. His burden is a non-burden. Uh, what helium does to a, a balloon is, is what Jesus does to us as, as we uh, come to the end of ourselves and simply yield to him and allow him to work his work in our lives. He lifts us up in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're lifted up, buoyed up, strengthened, uh, empowered. He meets us at the point of our needs, supplying according to his riches and glory. 
sweeping us into his tender embrace, comforting us where there is brokenness, healing us where there is disease, satisfying us when, where, where, there, where there's discontent, loving and empowering us to live a life that glorifies him. Gentle and lowly in heart. That's who he is. That's who he is. As he reveals himself to you and I in this passage and through the word of God, we find a God who loves us unconditionally and accepts us where we are and welcomes us into his arms. He says, come unto me. Now, my initial thought when it comes to coming to God, uh, we, we just hope that somehow he's going to accept us. I know me better than anybody else knows me, better than my wife knows me, better than you know me for sure. And I know just how unlovable I can be sometimes. And, and, and yet there is no fear in coming to Jesus because he assures us that we can come to him because of his gentle and lowly, loving hearts. God loves you. You know, the story is told of St. Francis Assisi who is known for his generosity and his giving, his, his love for, for those who are down and out and broken, the marginalized. Uh, God was working in his life, breaking him and remaking him, and, and, and uh, uh, his life became something that, that was very clearly um, exemplifying the love and the compassion and the acceptance of God. He had experienced the love of God, and God was now working in Francis to, to love others as, as God had loved him. He'd been accepted by the Savior and, and, and was learning to accept others in all of their brokenness, all of their flaws, and respond to them as Jesus had responded to him. There was great potential in, in his life, and God was helping him overcome those broken areas and scars. One day we're told, though, he was riding on a horse uh, that, that he had borrowed and was heading to a, a location. I'm not sure where that was. But along the way, he came to a, a leper's hospital. Now, often he, he would carry gifts of money with him. And when he encountered something like that, he would stop and, and share an offering and love on the folks and then quickly move on to the next need. This time, though, because it was a leper's hospital, it, it was one of those stop, drop, run kind of things. Uh, if you know much about leprosy, it's not a very pretty sight. Uh, their, their, their bodies are being, being eaten alive, literally. And uh, putrid, uh, it's, it's just not a lovely thing. But one day he rode up, the, up to this hospital, and, and as his custom was, he jumped off his horse, went in, dropped his money, said a few nice things, but because it was a leper's hospital, he immediately rode on. But this particular day, there was a leper sitting out in front of that hospital begging for alms. He was covered with oozing sores, and uh, just it was a revolting sight, untouchable. But the sight of him, Francis said, he was sickened and repulsed. And he hurried in, gave his money, left quickly, and rode away fast, only to have the Holy Spirit grab him by the heart and say to him, he is my brother, and you have despised him. 
uh, simple words, and probably to you and I, they don't mean a whole lot, but to Francis, it literally shook him to the core of his being. It grabbed his heart in such a way he realized how, how unloving and uncompassionate, uh, how, how, how unchristlike he really was. And he went back to that same leper and knelt down by that leper, that, that leper that was just as putrid, just as repulsive, just as rotting, and he put his arms around him and kissed him. My first response is, yuck, right? Yuck, how, how could he do that? Why would he do that? He was a leper. <laughs> but you see, Jesus had gotten a hold of his heart. The one who was gentle and lowly. The one who welcomes even the most broken, repulsive life. The one who loves unconditionally and accepts unconditionally had touched Francis, and now he was able to love even the leper. It was Jesus in St. Francis of Assisi that enabled him to kiss the leper. I think sometimes we're slow to come to God because we fear what he's going to say. We fear that there might be some kind of rejection. He might push us away. I mean, after all, we have sinned after sin after sin after sin, and, and we just can't believe that he could continually forgive, continually love, continually restore. But the promise of Matthew 11 is that no matter how broken your life is, no matter how repulsive it might be, and you know it best for yourself as I do me, no matter how unworthy we are, Jesus says, come. You'll find rest for your souls. The gentle, lowly Savior is majestic. He's the God of heaven and earth, the God of power, the God who spoke this universe into existence, the, the God who walked on earth and healed the diseased and raised the dead, the God who, who was able to take the stone cold and bring life into it again, comes to you and I in the power of the Spirit this morning and says to us, no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, no matter how black that may look, no matter how burdened you may be, no matter how revolting your life may seem to you, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let me tell you something. The devil would like you to believe that your life is too messed up. You are too dirty. You, your life is too jacked up. It, it's beyond hope, beyond redemption. You could never, ever be loved totally and unconditionally. You don't deserve that. Well, that's true, isn't it? You have so many things to be ashamed of. And yet Jesus says, come. And he can, he can change your life this morning in an instant. Because he'll, he'll accept you where you are. Now, he won't leave you there. Understand that. 
He loves you too much to leave you in the brokenness of your sin. He will restore you and cleanse you and renew you and give you a new path to walk, a new direction to head, a new life to live. He will accept you because he wants you. <laughs> he wants you more than you could ever understand. And that gentle and lowly Savior will welcome you into his arms. Your sin and brokenness, uh, that's what qualifies you to come to him. Not because you've got it all together. That's what the devil would like you to believe. If you can just, if you can just overcome this sin, then Jesus will love you. If you can just uh, overcome this problem, then you'll be acceptable in God's sight. That's, that's the devil's lie, friend. The truth, the truth is, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His posture toward us is not a, a shaking finger of judgment. It's arms open wide. It's arms open wide on a cross where he died for you and I. And there's no hoops for you to go through. There's, there's no prerequisites that you have to accomplish. All you need to do is come to him. No payment required. Jesus said, I will give you rest. He's ready to kiss the leper this morning, even this morning. Amen? Let's bow together in prayer. Father, there may be folks here this morning that don't know you as their Savior. They've been struggling in life, and life has overcome, and, and uh, they, they, they just don't find the fullness and the happiness and the wholeness that they so desperately look for. And yet, Father, you offer us that wholeness today, that peace that passes all understanding that sense of hope that, that says we have an assured future uh, in this life as we walk with you and into eternity as, as, Father, we are with you forever and ever and ever. Father, I pray this morning if there are those here that, that need to come to you for the very first time, that, Lord, they would respond to you this morning, that they would be willing to understand that it's not what they can do but what you have done. What you have done on the cross of Calvary means acceptance and love and forgiveness and renewal. And Father, there may be folks here today who are your children, and, and we've just hit the wall again. We've we found ourselves in a broken situation. Uh, sin has simply overcome in our lives, and, and we've yielded to, yielded to that and have come to the place again when we, where we realize just how broken we are and how desperately we need you. And you say, come. May we come to you this morning and find the rest for our soul that you have promised. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Pastor. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Don. It's always so good to have you here and to hear from you. Um, I wrote down uh, what Don said. No matter how unworthy we are, how unworthy we feel, Jesus says, come. Come and find rest, find forgiveness, find love, find hope and life. I'm going to close us in prayer, um, and afterwards, I'll be up front. If you have uh, any questions about what Don shared, if you need someone to pray with you, if you uh, would like to respond and, and trust Jesus today, I would love to share with you. So I'm going to close us in prayer. I have a few announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, just for the, uh, just the truth and the hope that we have in you. Lord, we thank you that you are um, a God that is gentle and lowly, that loves us, uh, that we cannot be 
uh, we cannot be too sinful to return to. Uh, God, so I pray that no matter how unworthy we are, how unworthy we feel, Lord, that you would draw us back to you, Lord, and you would give us the courage to respond and to come to you. Uh, who waits for us with open arms? Uh, so, God, I just uh, thank you for your truth and for your word, Lord. May we know and walk confidently in your love as we leave today. And, God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, or has questions or that just um, needs to return to you, Lord, would you give them the courage uh, to turn and to repent and to trust you today? God, we love you and we praise you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.